Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, June 12th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from the Finnish offices, I'm Patrick Beja. The Finnish offices. I love that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Not finished. Yeah. Simply finish. Uh, that, mm-hmm. was, that was my joke. Maybe and also both. And oh, ba- um, the basketball team in high school, the coach would say, Merritt, you finish? And I'd be like, no, I'm Swedish. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are I've you? got to remember that for Are my son so, I can, so my dad jokes can be on point. Yeah, totally. Uh, hey, Roger Chang, our producer, is producing the show today, but he's also uh, chasing his daughter around the house or something. He's, he's, on, he's on child watching duty, uh, so he is not in the show with us here. But hi, Roger. We know you're out there. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Let's do it. Starting with Instagram. Instagram shoppable tags will start appearing in stories. So like in the main feed, tapping the shopping bag sticker leads to more details and the option to purchase various things that you see in a photo. Hmm. Interesting. Nintendo announced Super Smash Brothers Ultimate will arrive December 7th. Super Mario Party with multi-switch gameplay comes out October 5th, and Fortnite is available for free for the Nintendo Switch. It will support cross-play with Xbox One, PC, Mac, and mobile, but not PS4, which, by the, by the way, is leading to weird things, like you can't link an account to your Switch if you've already linked into your PS4 and vice versa. That is shady. Yeah, people are mad about that. Tesla CEO Elon Musk sent a memo to his staff announcing the company would lay off more than 3,000 workers. That's 9% of its workforce. Actually, I have that in reverse. He said we're going to lay off 9%. And that estimate is that's about 3, 000, a little few, more than 3,000. It's an effort to cut costs. Musk said the layoffs are almost entirely in salaried positions, so they should not affect Model 3 production. Musk previously pledged that Tesla would reach sustained profitability by Q3. So nobody who works on the Model 3 is a salaried employee? Well, the factory floor staff are probably waged, waged yeah. employees. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The party is over. 
<laughs> where it's just beginning. La Liga, the Spanish soccer league, has admitted its app accesses the microphone and GPS data of Android users. La Liga argues it asked for consent at the point of install or update and that the microphone data it's receiving is code, not actual audio, and that the data is used to prevent illegal streaming of matches, something that the organization says costs, oh, I don't know, 150 million euros per year. So the app store has been downloaded, uh, the, the app in the app store has been downloaded 10 million times and was updated with the functionality on June 8th. So if you don't allow for the microphone access, people can stream to their heart's content. <laughs> also, I, lo- I love how they're like, yes, we got your conversation, but it's just code. Yeah, we we don't hear you as as uh, uh, pri- divulging private secrets. We just hear code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't want to make sure you're not a pirate. That's crazy. Uh, DRM. It never causes any problems. Let's talk a little bit more about a, a, a light of hope for me as far as standards go, Patrick. Digitimes reports that analog integrated circuit vendors told it that Apple is considering switching from Lightning to USB-C in its 2019 iPhone and iPad releases. Apple Insider notes a report in May suggested Apple might ship a USB-C charger with iPhones this year, but that would come with a Lightning to USB-C cable. Hmm. Hmm. Now, I... My first As a resp- person with many dongles, I'm yes. like, Ugh, I've already solved this problem. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't without headache. I have many devices with USB-C. Uh, I have a Pixelbook. I have an Essential Phone. I have a Nintendo Switch. I have a MacBook Pro. They all have USB-C. If I want to plug in my iPhone, I can't because it doesn't have USB-C. And it's got to the point where I look at it and I'm like, that just seems silly. Like USB-C is about the same size. There can't be that many advantages to the proprietary port anymore. They ought to just switch. So this report gives me hope. But also out today is a an article from Robert Triggs over at Android Authority talking about all of the downsides of USB-C, particularly that fast charging doesn't work the same way on all the cables and all the devices. Uh, Data compatibility is confusing. If you're trying to use it to carry HDMI or Ethernet, sometimes it won't work. It depends on whether the port is activated for that. Uh, All of those, all of these concerns are real. I can't, I don't think they are that different from USB-A, but it's that USB-C purports to say you won't need to think about cables anymore it'll just be the one cable for everything it seems like this problem while real and he's not the first person to uh mention it it could be solved relatively easily with some kind of labeling or uniformization or it's not impossible to to solve and i still think usbc is probably the right way to go yeah, I and and I hope that Digitimes doesn't have a great record. Let's just be honest about predicting things accurately. We often say like, "Oh, this person has a really great." This Digitimes does not. They're less than fifty fifty. Uh, so this may end up just being a bunch of hogwash. But I brought it up because of my desire to want it to be true. And and I, I think what will likely be true is that the iPhones that come out later this year will come with a USB C charger wall wart so the cable you get in the box would be usb-c to lightning instead of usb-a to lightning like it is right now oh interesting because i would yeah i would say at this point 
anybody who has a newer iPhone and has to plug into their MacBook or whatever is like, we've figured it out. You can daisy chain it. Like <laughs> there are dongles, but the fastest charging is what I always want. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Fastest. Brad Sams at Throt.com says he has viewed content that shows Microsoft plans to release the next Xbox console, codenamed Scarlet, in 2020. Microsoft apparently describes Scarlet as a family of devices. So the speculation is, well, maybe this won't be just a console. Maybe it'll be a number of different kinds of consoles. Who knows? Uh, Sams also says Microsoft's targeting Q1 2019 to release the next version of the HoloLens, HoloLens version 3, codenamed Sydney. It's expected to just be lighter, have improved displays, and cost significantly less. So nothing surprising on the HoloLens front, except that, oh, we, we might see it in Q1. We don't know if it would be a developer version or a consumer version. But what do you think of the idea of the Xbox? First of all, coming soon, 2020, is not that far down the road as consoles go, Patrick, but also being a family of devices. Well, uh, Microsoft did mention that they were working on their next console in the E3 press conference. So that is probably a little hint that it's not super far far off. Um, working on it, they want to turn the page on this generation. They have sold a lot less than Sony. They're in an unfavorable position. They want to move along. The family of console thing could mean anything. So I'm not going to speculate too much. Uh, it is consistent with the idea that Microsoft wants the Xbox to be uh, uh, multi-form. They, they already have their games on the Xbox, on the Xbox One X, and on PC. So it wouldn't surprise me that something like a family of consoles would be in their plans. Yeah, it could be something as boring as just you know, there's a 4K version and an HD version or something like that. Yeah, maybe I not mean, HD, deep, but... Deep, deep red in color? Why else call it Scarlet? Mm. Hmm. Or Black Widow. For that. <laughs> Vivo announced its new phone next, which it claims, quote, fulfills the bezel-less dream. Okay. Like Vivo's <laughs> Apex phone that we saw at CES, the Next has a pop-up selfie cam, so that means no notch. Vivo also uses screen sound casting to replace the earpieces speaker and an in-screen fingerprint sensor. The screen-to-body ratio is 91.24% due to a very slight chin at the bottom. Maybe we could call it... A receding chin. I don't know. <laughs> Beyond the 6.59-inch OLED display, it has a Snapdragon 845 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, a 4,000 milliamp battery, 256 gigs of storage will be available in China for 4,998 won, which is about U.S. $780. 91.24 is not entirely full screen. It's pretty disagree. darn close, it's though. Pretty close. It's close. <laughs> it's close, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's ten percent still not screen. I'm just saying. But yeah, I no, I know what you're saying. It's the biggest yet, and at least it is a almost bezel-less phone, unlike the the uh, ripoff that we got from <laughs> earlier this month. I think it was was it Lenovo that was like, it's going to be a bezel-less phone, and it turned out it had a notch. It um, was yeah, it was yeah. Lenovo. I don't know about the bezel-less dream. I don't know if that was something I was that worried are about. Are we all wanting the bezel-less dream? Like, is this something that people are like, it once kind we of get rid sexy. of that bezel completely, we're really in I think it's sexy. It is yeah. sexy. It, it looks nice. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't it's kind of that it form factor dream. that you just want to be right. achieved. I, 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 I wouldn't call it a dream. 
<laughs> uh, Valve announced its plans to launch Steam in China in partnership with Shanghai-based Perfect World. Steam is accessible in China in, on an unofficial basis, but recently some portions of the service were blocked. Partnering on an official launch will let Valve avo avoid blocks and better localize and promote the service. Valve did not say how it will handle approving games for launch on its Chinese service and did not announce a launch date. Yeah, China is a big market for games, and they are very PC skewed. So I think Valve is looking at China with very big dollar signs in their eyes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. On the other hand, Valve also just made a big deal how it's not going to curate content in its store anymore. That's not going to fly in China. Uh, and maybe that's that's the role of Perfect World, perhaps, is Perfect World decides what goes into the store. Steam just provides the infrastructure for it. I don't know. Yeah, they're not the first ones to partner with with a Chinese company. Oh, no, that's the standard. Actually, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's legally mandated that, you know, yeah. so. In fact, Number most, even outside of gaming, most tech companies are partnering with Chinese companies just to make regulations easier. Right. Things like data storage and stuff like that. All right. Uh, journalists at the summit in Singapore between the United States and North Korea were given a USB-powered fan as part of a gift bag from Singapore's communications ministry. Uh, the bag also included water and a guidebook. It was hot in Singapore. So this all makes sense from that perspective. Temps were reaching 33 degrees Celsius. That's about 91 Fahrenheit. Almost every security researcher on the planet cried out at once, though, don't plug that into your laptop after reporter Harold Dornbos tweeted a picture of the device because, uh, hey, you know what people do with USB? They embed malware in it and then hand them out for free, hoping you'll plug it into your computer. Yeah. Are, you, are you dying of heat exhaustion? Here, have this malware. <laughs> this malware will cool you right down. Uh, it's and funny because it's exactly the kind of thing that you don't really see coming until someone tells you, and then you're like, holy poop, I was so dumb to do it. Like, yeah, it because so you're obvious. you're tired and hot, and you're like, oh, yeah, I t absolutely want to have that fan. Now, here's what I would say. Uh, if you're someone who travels a lot and you get a lot of these USB uh, devices as a swag, I'm not sure that everybody does, but if you're like, I would like to have the option to use that microfan without getting malware, $3, you can get yourself a little power-only extension cable that allows you to plug anything into your computer, and it gets powered, but it won't transfer any data. Yep. That's just good advice if you're a Singapore journalist. Or a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or a tech journalist at... <laughs> at uh, or anyone. Yeah. Anyone, really. Don't, <laughs> don't time plug you get a free USB device. Think again. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't get into the car of someone you don't know who stops in the streets and offers right. to give you a ride. Stranger it's danger for a USB. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Strange <laughs> USB danger. <laughs> All right, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines, available on the Anchor app and on the Amazon Echo and the Google Home, and, of course, at dailytechheadlines.com. E3, of course, uh, about to start, which means it's almost it's done as far over. as the announcements. <laughs> <laughs> like, the did the doors open today? Is that right? Uh, I think it's today. For the and, conference, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and the, the press... 
meetings and briefings started on Saturday already. So for journalists around the world who aren't at E3 physically present, it's done. We already know everything we want to know. Well, Patrick's going to take us through some of the highlights. Uh, What were the standout moments of the E3 press season so far? So I've, I've selected three different little topics, which aren't necessarily the gamer, gamer-centric topics, but I figured the DTNS audience might be interested in those. Uh, if you want gaming-specific, we'll talk about that later. There are other avenues. But um, the first one is the fact that both EA and Microsoft have announced they are working on a streaming service, video game streaming service, which we've mentioned here with Shadow and OnLive and over the years many times. Uh, Ubisoft president Yves Guillemot also mentioned that he believes this technology will be major in the next few years. Um, And this is interesting in itself already because that's a technology that is developing and we've been around it many times in the tech industry but also it has a really unexpected consequence for developers and publishers if these technologies do take off and the infrastructure allows many gamers to enjoy them in in the next few years that means that developers don't really need console manufacturers anymore Uh, the console manufacturers are kind of the gatekeepers right now. You have to be on their console, on their publishing platform, in order to reach your customers, uh, the gamers. If you have your own streaming service, then of course you need the infrastructure, but you don't need to go through the very expensive and complicated business of manufacturing a device and selling it to a consumer. You can just embed your app in a TV or uh, an app Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Platform or TV box, and you have access to your customers straight away. 
Um, and that seems like a huge motivator for big publishers to go ahead and try to develop this. Uh, it is it makes things immensely more easy for them. Yeah, I can I can see where. Uh, Microsoft and Sony can say like, well, we'll just become streaming service providers, right? Sony already does it and, and Microsoft's doing it. Uh, that Then we'll still have that curation aspect and we can still get exclusives on, on our stuff. But EA can say, well, why would we need that? Uh, yes. As long as we can make our streaming service apps available on the general platform, that's less development time than having to make multiple versions of each game, I would think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But instead of saying, oh, well, now I have to make a PC version and an Xbox version and a Sony version and a Nintendo version, you just make one version and put it on your own streaming service. And it looks amazing no matter your hardware. And it even goes farther. Uh, We've seen Capcom in Japan experimenting with streaming for individual games, meaning uh, instead of selling you a game, they rent you uh, the access to this for a cheaper price for a few months. And they can have that available on any platform. We've seen Resident Evil 7 available on the Nintendo Switch, which is not powerful enough to run that game and uh, it's just a 50 megs download and you stream the game from their service now at the high end let the let's just say the esports end right that's that's the end that, that pays the most attention that's, that's not gonna work that's not gonna work so does that influence developers to say well we really want to be part of that esports crowd because that gets us a lot of promotion and status and brings in money i guess we should still make it for platforms it, I mean, it depends how it's going to evolve. I think it's still a little bit murky at this point. Infrastructure might evolve that so that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a side note, it's not exactly the same thing, but EA also announced the Origin Premier Access, which is basically a subscription service similar to the uh, Microsoft Xbox Game Pass. You pay them a, a certain amount and you have access to the entire library of games, just like a streaming service, except you install the games on your device. That's on PC for EA at the moment. Um, a lot of people have been saying, oh, another subscription service that's how many do we have to pay for but if you're a core gamer let's say you buy one game a month um one game a month is 60 bucks let's say those services are 10 bucks a month you could subscribe to six of them or Mm -hmm. let's say five of them uh, and save 10 bucks a month and have access to all of the games of all those publishers because that's how they work so i think a lot of people are underestimating the, the the value of those services for core gamers who buy a lot of games well you know if you compare this to cord cutting for i don't know you know, Roku's and Apple TV's yeah, yeah. And, and what have you. If you in in a similar vein, it's like, well, services like Netflix have original content, right? Or Hulu, or, or Amazon, or or or, I don't or know. HBO, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it's not really hard form. I'm sorry, hardware. Uh, you know, specific, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been for some time. And I think the gaming world is trying to navigate how that works. Yeah, because then at this point, as you're mentioning, Patrick, it's like, okay, well, if you, you know, kind of make the same game, you could play it on a lot of different devices. Then it turns into like, what's the best hardware device? And then it turns into a conversation of, well, I don't know. I mean, what is the best? Is it price? (laughs) You know, is it the layout? Is it, you know, all of these things that that I know I think about when I'm looking at content. Mm. 
On the one All hand, right. it sheds a little light on the idea that Microsoft might have a family of devices because maybe they'll have some Roku-like versions. Like, you just want to stream? Here you go. Buy this version of the Xbox. But I think what you're about to bring up, Patrick, might also be a reaction to this idea. Well, uh, Microsoft announced that they are going to, well, they have actually purchased a lot of studios uh, because the big drawback of the Xbox this generation has been exclusive games. They haven't produced enough uh, compared to the PlayStation to make the system appealing to many gamers. Uh, And that's why they've been falling behind sales-wise. So they've purchased five studios. This is like the crazy shopping list. Um, The problem is it's probably not going to have an effect this year and maybe not next year. But uh, this is absolutely what Microsoft needed to do, especially if we're heading into a future where streaming services are the norm. Maybe not now, maybe not five years from now, but 10 years from now, they need a library of game that is that that is exclusive and uh, appealing to gamers. Or if it's not exclusive, they get all the money from it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So this is a really big deal, and it it shows a commitment for Microsoft uh, to gaming. Uh, and the last one I wanted to mention is, uh, I mean, there there are many things that we could talk about, but Sony showcased uh, The Last of Us Part Two in their press briefing. And um, last time they showed it, a lot of criticism was leveled at the game in the way it portrays violence. The game was extremely violent in a visceral and quite frankly disturbing way. Uh, People noted that and weren't necessarily happy about it. Uh, So you might have thought that Naughty Dog, the developer behind The Last of Us, uh, would maybe dial it back a little bit. Well, they kind of (laughs) doubled down on it. Um, and the, the, the gameplay footage they showed was extremely violent uh, in a way that is somewhat disturbing even for gamers, which leads to an interesting uh, point of, of reflection. Um, games, there have been violent games forever, and in many games you walk around and blow up zombies and kill enemies and spray blood yeah. all over the place. Right, yeah. run over people, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But it, feel, it never feels... I don't want to say it doesn't feel real, but it doesn't impact you at all. You don't think about it's it. It's a game. You yeah. Right. It's a game. This one um, pushes it in so far in this specific way that it kind of artistically seems like we'll have to see how the game actually turns out and the context and all of this. But artistically, it makes the person experiencing this uh, game uh, kind of revile the idea of of being the 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 the, the vector of that violence. Killing I know. I, I, I know. No spoilers. I know. It's you know. It's a game. It's a little different than movies. But but how 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 does that happen? Because I think a lot of the argument, you know, that you know, people are saying like, oh, games are violent. You know, making kids violent is that it takes away that uh, you know sort of empathetic part of you that might feel this way, which is what you're describing. Yeah. So I think the, the, well, that's philosophical or maybe I'm not necessarily qualified to talk about this specifically, but I think you don't consider it violent because you understand it's a game. In this one, it's, uh, artistically and, uh, uh, the way it's brought to you, 
um, you know it's a game, but it still feels like you don't want to do it. It's, yeah. it's the best way I can describe it. Okay. Even though it's zombies, right? It, it, it's in this case, it was against humans. Mm, uh, the mm, game also okay. has zombies, but here it's humans, and it, it's it's portrayed very. Uh, 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 they are very talented developers, so it's very skillfully portrayed in a way that makes you uh, feel. I, so you don't necessarily want to do it, and so in in because of that, if you have to do it, you have to do it. You know, you do it because you really have to, which is a very interesting gaming experience, which I don't think we've ever really had, um, and we'll have to see where it goes. But the the it, it's how can I put it? I guess it's an interesting way of of creating this uh, uh, piece of art to get you into the experience of what inflicting violence actually is, as opposed to doing it as a, a, a game for fun. So that was a really interesting. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is fascinating. Yeah. Very much so. Mm, good stuff from E3. Ever yeah. provoking anyway. <laughs> hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You help us choose our stories and figure out a little bit more of what you like to see. Submit stories and also vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you prefer Facebook or if you want to hang out in both places, all good with us. Facebook.com slash group slash daily tech news show. You can even send us the email and we'll open them and read them sometimes True. on the show. True story, Tom. In fact, Rob, who describes Australia right now as pleasantry, uh, pleasantly wintry, <laughs> has some thoughts on our Airbnb Japan story from last week, which is probably fitting because I, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, cross-travel that goes on between the two countries. Rob says, I'm heading to Tokyo next week, booked an Airbnb four months ago. I've been communicating with the host in the last month. It's all fine. And they said there was no cause to worry. Everything was going to be certified before my trip. I woke this morning to three emails and a text message from Airbnb saying my reservation had been canceled. Cannot get a response from the host at this point. Airbnb refunded my money, though. Gave me a voucher equal to the cost of my original rental to apologize. I booked one, uh, one of the seven remaining certified Tokyo Airbnbs available during my stay because, of course, they're waning. And with the voucher, I ended up saving about 30 bucks, Australian bucks, uh, per night compared to my canceled booking. Airbnb also gave me a U.S. $100 voucher for an experience which I'm using for a walking food tour. Nice. All in all, uh, Rob says, really stressful, sucked. The host was lying, or at least it seemed that way to Rob. But kudos to Airbnb for essentially doubling my refund and giving me an extra experience for free. Oh, well, it, it's, a, it's a story that usually would end up with them vilifying the company. Uh, but instead, they're like, wow, yeah. company did good. Well, good job, Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Well, enjoy your walking tour. Let's hear about it. And then Nathan wrote in uh, and said, I've had the pleasure of volunteering with the Able Gamers. They're a nonprofit that works to encourage game developers to include accessibility in their design process. They also help develop controllers for people with specific needs. According to their blog, they have been working in secret with Microsoft to develop the Xbox Adaptive Controller. Whenever I have the money or time, I always throw support their way. Their founder is very approachable. Maybe he'd even be willing to come on DTNS and talk more about the details of the controller. Uh, thank you, Nathan, though. You can go check it out, ablegamers.org. And we've talked about Able Gamers, um, you know, as far as certain accessibility settings um, on the show before. So, yeah, very cool. 
Thanks to everybody who writes in, participates in our subreddit, but also extra special thanks to Patrick Beja, who was not here last Tuesday. So it's so nice to have you back. What's been going on? Uh, well, you know, E3 has been going on. This has been a little bit crazy. Uh, we usually cover the conferences live with our good friend Scott Johnson. Uh, and if you're interested in gaming, we actually did a wrap-up uh, episode of our Boop and Pixels shows. Uh, you can find it on the Pixels feed and on the Boop feed. So if you want to know exactly what happened, what we thought uh hour and 45 minutes of gaming go check out the pixels uh boop uh, episode and uh we are going to try to do a dtms labs games uh before the end of the week it will be a shorter like 20 30 minutes uh, highlights of the of the conference but if you want the full thing pixels is the way to go so go check that out at uh, frenchspin.com or just look for pixels on your podcast app excellent hey you know what keeps us being able to all do this? Patreon.com slash DTNS. That's the place where we get the majority of our support. Uh, and big thanks to everybody who supports us. We're always looking to have at least one more patron than the month before. And that could be you. You could be the hero that gets us over the line at Patreon.com slash DTNS. And also don't forget, we've got Born Ready t-shirts, the official slogan of Patrick Beja that you could wear on your chest. I've seen them in real life. They look great. And if you want to pick one up, you go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash store, and you could make one yours. It would show up in your home, and you'd put it on your body and wear it and feel like as cool as Patrick. Any Almost. feedback, questions, all sorts of good stuff, send them our way. We love to hear what you think. Feedback at dailytechnewshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 20.30 UTC. If you can join us live, great. Find out more at dailytechnewshow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with special guest Charlotte Henry. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.